Welcome to First Presbyterian Church in North Palm Beach, Florida. We exist to help people pursue and share gospel-driven lives. We hope whether you're investigating faith, a seasoned follower of Jesus, and anywhere in between, this podcast helps you connect with Jesus. God the Lord, let us hear what you speak now. For you speak peace to your people, to those who turn to you in their hearts. We ask this in the name of Christ, whose glory dwells among us. Amen. Friends, listen now with open ears to the book that we love from Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke across their shoulders, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the annual arguments that we have as a culture December by December is this. When is it acceptable to start playing holiday music? You know, each house has to answer that for themselves For some people, it's Thanksgiving. For some people, it's the beginning of December. For retail stores, it seems like somewhere right around the middle of July is when they they decide that the right time is. Uh, In our house, that issue has been settled by the youngest of our three children, our daughter, Ray. She uh, she has as much Christmas spirit inside of her as probably the rest of us combined. And she, beginning at the first of November, is blasting Christmas music morning by morning from her room. Before we have even picked out the Thanksgiving turkey, every morning, you can hear it's it's the holly jolliest time of the year emanating from her bedroom door. And what's more, Ray is a Christmas traditionalist. To her, Christmas time sounds like Nat King Cole and Earl Ives and the Vince Guaraldi trio. All those trendy Christmas cover artists, they can stay away from her Spotify playlist. Thank you very much. I was driving her to school one morning several weeks ago, and we turned on the radio, and some or another cover of an older Christmas classic was playing, and Ray, with a sense of of indignation, pointed at the radio, turned it back off, and turned and glared at me, saying, Dad, that is a rip-off song. That's a rip-off song. So I want to invite you for just a minute this evening 
to reflect with me on actually the, the most ancient of Christmas songs that we've heard and that we'll hear together in a moment. The song of the angels that you saw acted out a minute ago, the ancient cadences of the prophet Isaiah singing to God's people of this promised day when God would come among us to put the world right as a child born for us, and the soaring lines from the Gospel of John that we'll listen to in just a moment. As John describes the arrival of Jesus in the world as the moment that we beheld God's glory in God's own face. Now, I'm aware for the, for the grown-ups in the room that for, for some of us, especially if, if you're somebody who's not, who's not interacted in any serious way with the story of Jesus, or maybe it's been a long time since you've been to something like this, I want to acknowledge that this is a song that, that can be hard to, to hear and take seriously in your life. You're happy, to, you're happy for everybody to enjoy the lights and the, and the schmaltz and the Muzak during the month of December, happy to cheer on the kids when they, when they act out the story of Jesus, but, but you wonder if you can really take this story seriously in your own life. There's a part of you that, that when you hear it, you say to yourself, you know, this is kind of a ripoff. Uh, that's you. I want to, on the one hand, I want to affirm that you're in good company if you find yourself skeptical of the story of Christmas. If you go home and read the entire narrative of Jesus' beginnings in the Gospel of Luke, for example, everybody who first hears the news of Jesus has questions. Whether the doubts of Mary or the outright terror of the shepherds. But on the other hand, I do want to help you realize that the story that we watched acted out together a moment ago is given to us not as some kid's fable, but as news for all of us. Scholars point out that the the genre of, of historic, realistic, fictional writing, that actually wasn't invented until hundreds and hundreds of years after these stories of the life of Jesus were, were composed and, and spread throughout the world. This story is written not as some kid's fable, but as news for all of us that changes everything forever. The, the ambushed experience of those shepherds midway through a sleepy night shift in the rolling Judea hillsides. It, it shakes us out of our happy nonchalance with which we can often hear this story. Because what they witnessed and what Isaiah announces is that with the arrival of Jesus, the invisible creator of the cosmos is once and for all unveiling for us his beauty and glory and goodness and truth. Think about the paradox of that. The almighty God of the universe, when God decided to show us what he was like, did it by taking up the stuff of a helpless infant life. The creator of all things will become material, touchable, breakable. The almighty God would take up the stuff of a helpless little life 
The king of the universe would come among us as a migrant child born to an impoverished Middle Eastern teenage couple in the ancient equivalent of the back shed behind a Motel 6 in a redneck little town. And God does all of this to show us his face and in the words of the angel announcement, to save us to draw us out from the darkness that we and the entire world find ourselves mired in. And so I want to simply simply help you hear the invitation in this story to give this song, the song of the Christmas gospel, a serious listen in your own life. I want to help you just briefly as we close. Hear hear a few invitations from the story. First, There's an invitation, especially if you're somebody for whom you consider yourself an outsider to faith, there's an invitation to seek out out whether you can take this story seriously. I love the the moment when the ambushed shepherds, after the angelic choir is finished singing the glory of God and goes back into the heavens, they turn to each other presumably to make sure that that they hadn't just had a a hallucination of some kind. And then they say to each other, well, I guess we better go check this out. I guess we better go to Bethlehem and see what this is. You know, we want you to know this is a community where you can actually do that very same thing. Where you can, you can come with your questions, with your, with your skepticism even, with the, the complications or, or hurts of your own life's story, and consider the good news of Jesus and bring with you your full self, not needing to worry about whether somebody's going to pull the fire alarm on you or not. And so I want, to, I want you to hear the invitation uh, to seek the good news that we, we hear in the, in the song of the Christmas story. Second, I want to invite you to, to savor the good news. One of my very favorite lines in the story of Jesus' birth in Luke's gospel is the one right near the end where after the clatter of the shepherds has died down and Mary has a moment of quiet, presumably sleepless and bleary-eyed as a new mother. Luke tells us that she treasured and pondered all of these words. Mary, in other words, listened in in the deep places of who she was to the good news of Christmas. Now, I hope that you do the same thing, too, especially if you're somebody like me for whom this is a really familiar story. If you're somebody for whom you, you do this year after year, I hope that, I hope that between, the, between the parties and the family gatherings and the tinsel and the trappings, that you carve out some time for treasuring and pondering. There's a poem on the inside cover of your worship folder that we, we offer to you when you came in. I'm not going to share it with you in its entirety, but, but we, we offered it to you this evening for, for its first line. Let the stable still astonish. I hope, I hope that you let yourself be astonished by the Christmas gospel. Uh, last, uh, I'll simply invite you to to let the good news of the Christmas gospel sustain you as you walk out of here back into darkness. Now, this, is a, this is a strange time of year, isn't it? On the one hand, 
this time of year, we, we turn the sentimentality up to 11. You know, we turn the, we turn the tinsel and the, and the goodwill and all of our most idealistic feelings about the world and our lives all the way up. And on the other hand, this is a time of year when many of us are most acutely and painfully aware of, of the darkness of our own lives, of, of, of the sickness of the person you really care about, of the, the broken relationship that's in your, in your family or with your friends. This is the time of year when, when the, the daily horrors that greet us whenever you turn on the news browser seem, seem most heartbreaking. This came home to me just this past week as I was in my study working on things for this evening Spotify was playing a random mix of Christmas songs and they played John Lennon's old, you know, Happy Christmas, War is Over song with this refrain, War is Over if you want it. And just as that refrain kicked in, I got an alert on my news phone that a, a gunman had taken the lives tragically of a number of university students in Prague just that same time. And I was struck by having those two things be side by side with one another. I hope that you let the good news that the God of the universe would enter into our darkness, would rescue us from our darkness by coming into it. I hope that you let that sustain you as you walk from here back out into the darkness of a world at night and the darkness of your own life. I'm going to close by sharing with you a uh, a piece from a favorite story of mine. Those of you who know me know I'm a, I'm a big J.R.R. Tolkien aficionado. Uh, if, you've, uh, if you've either read the books or watched the movies of his uh, epic Lord of the Rings trilogy, you know it tells the story of, of a, a hobbit named Frodo and a band of fellow mythical creatures who are charged with this, with this seemingly impossible task of taking this one ring and destroying it so as to overthrow the evil that's threatening the existence of their, of their world. And there's a moment in, in which, as they've embarked on this task and things seem especially bleak, they have this interaction with a woman who's an elf, who's a, who's a royal figure among the, among the elves, and they have, Frodo and his friends have a brief stop with her on their way, and then before they resume their ter terrible journey that seems all but impossible, she gives a little gift to each of them. And the good news of, of God's light coming into our darkness came home to me as I, as I thought about this, this little moment. So I want to close by simply sharing this with you. This royal figure was a woman named Galadriel. She, she shares gifts one at a time with Frodo's band of friends, and then she turns to him. And she says, and you, ring bearer, turning to Frodo, I come to you last who are not last in my thoughts. For you, I have prepared this. And she held up a small crystal vial. It glittered as she moved it, and rays of white light sprang from her hand. In this vial, she said, is caught the light of a star set amid the waters of my fountain. It will shine still brighter when night is about you. And then she says this, may it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. Friends, this is what the Christmas gospel is. It's the good news that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. So may the good news of Jesus, may it be a light in your dark places and a light to hang on to in a world where it seems like all the other lights are going out. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thanks for joining us at FPC. For more info and to connect with us, check out www.firstpresnpb.org.